Hey, I'm going to open with a word of prayer. Uh, this is as much for me as you. So would you guys just join me as we pray? Can you do join me? Father, in Jesus' name, I ask that you anoint the word of God that's about to be brought forth. We thank you that your word is spirit in life. We thank you that your word has the power for its own fulfillment. We thank you that your word is living and active. I pray that we live and act on your word, Lord, that we be not just hearers but doers of your word in 2024. Lord, help me to do a good job. May nothing I say get in the way of what you want to do today. In Jesus' name, and everybody said amen and amen. Turn to your other choice and say, get ready, get ready, get ready. <laughs> Thank you, brother. So uh, we're in part two of uh, our series, Growing Together, and fundamentally we're talking about uh, growing in community. Uh, I'm going to rename this message, so if you go on YouTube, I'm calling it the number one growth hack, the number one growth hack if you're interested. Now, anybody familiar with that term life hack, life hack, raise your hand if you're, I'm going to ask for participation, okay? It helps me preach better, okay? So life hack. Anybody heard of a life hack? All right. I'm sort of addicted to life hacks, all right? I, I got it from my father. I, um, if you looked at my YouTube, you know, kind of whatever panel, you'll see a, a lot of stuff just trying to find. In essence, what we're saying for those people that pursue those, you're looking for a get better. You're looking for a way to grow faster. You're looking for it like the edge. How do I get the edge on him or her or that or this, right? That's a life hack. And, and you, you look at my Amazon account, you'll see the results. Uh, you go to my, my wife's like, facts. If you go, if you come to the top of my stairs in our house, there's a cabinet right there, and you will see all my life hacks inside this cabinet. You know, all these vitamins and supplements. I'm, a, I'm literally like a walking vitamin shop, all right? What do you need? It's like, I'm like a, a Christian witch doctor. Like, what do you need? I got this, I got that. You know, it's terrible probably to say that. That's probably over the top. Apologies. But anyway... You get the point, right? Uh, and so uh, I, I was thinking about, like, how to unpack this if it's new to you. Like, a life hack. I saw one guy. In our house, we, um, we have a certain amount of fruit and vegetables in our house, especially just coming off the fast. And uh, I'm not a big banana eater, but, uh, but when I do, <laughs> um, I, I have this tendency to grab a banana and I pull it off, you know, the, the, the batch, the, the bundle, I don't know the right word for it, uh, the group of bananas. And you know how the top of that banana has that little arm to it? And, and our tendency is to just grab that and try to break it and then peel it. And I don't know if you've ever done this, but as soon, I'm sure you have. If you've done it, it mushes the whole top. Anybody know what I'm talking about? It just gets so frustrating. All right, here's, here's a life hack. You ready? Just flip it around. And if you, you can just pinch and peel, and it's just perfect. Perfect banana peeled. And there you go. You're welcome. That's a life hack. Okay? You're welcome. Okay. All right. You don't like that one? No. Okay. Let me, let me give you a, not food hack, but let me give you a relational hack. Okay? This is for all the guys in the room. All the brothers. All right. This is, the, <laughs> this is for you. Ladies, I'll let you listen in for a couple of seconds. Okay? Okay. Um, have you ever, uh, hopefully you have a date once in a while with your wife, but let's say you're going on a date with your wife, you've gone all week, you're super tired, you're finally going to go out, it's Friday night, you're going to find a place to eat, you get in the car, this is, this is like a scientific, statistical, highest probability that, that, that one of two things is going to happen. You ask the question, gentlemen, to your lovely wife, 
where do you want to go to eat? And they're going to have one of two answers. They're going to say, I don't know, or I don't care. Raise your hand if you know what I'm talking about. Right? And in my mind, I'm thinking, I've been making decisions all week. For the love of Moses, can you just make this one decision, woman? Sorry. Sorry, babe. She's over there. <laughs> when you tell a joke in this church, you know, especially when your wife's part of it, you got to look over your shoulder. You know what I mean? You gotta... So, so here, here's, here, first of all, let me give you the theology behind that statement. There's theology behind that statement? Yes. Here's the theology. The reason women are reluctant to make the decision about where we're going to eat and where picking the food we're going to eat is because all the way back in the book of Genesis, the first woman who picked what we ate doomed all of humanity. It's no wonder she's reluctant. That's the theology. But here's the hack. That wasn't the hack. Here's the hack. Ladies, plug your ears, plug your ears, plug your ears. Okay, guys, listen up, listen up. So when you go out to eat and you get in the car, instead of asking that question, just say, honey, I'm taking you to your favorite place to eat tonight. Listen, can you guess where? <laughs> and whatever she says, go there. You're welcome. You're welcome. You're welcome. You're welcome. All right. That's a life hack. <laughs> Guys are like, oh, the spirit of the Lord is there's freedom. You guys just like, that is genius. That's a life hack. Okay. But what I want to do is I want to change the term from a life hack to a growth hack. Okay. Growth hack. Now, last week, see, a growth hack is an accelerator. It's a get an edge on everybody. It's, it's pick up the pace. It's go faster and get the same results. But we learned last week when we were talking about growth that growth isn't a place you go to. It's a place you grow to. And that between go to and grow, grow into that, to that inheritance, when we talk in Galatians 4 that God has as heirs of God, we've been given a certain inheritance. God wants to bless you. He wants to put favor on your life. He wants you to, uh, to live as an overcomer. He wants you to have an abundant, all those things that he has for you. Even though you're an heir, sometimes you don't receive the blessing or the inheritance from it because you have to go through an adulting process. A maturing. You have to grow up. And some of the blessings God has for you are just for grown-ups. Are you with me, everybody? But, but I'm here to tell you there is a growth hack that applies to everything in every area of your life. And if I was to ask you, if I could, if I could get you to, uh, to submit to, to, to invite this growth hack into your life, and I told you it will affect 100% of your life, your marriage, your finances, your business, your parenting, your Christian life, would anybody sign up for that? Yes. Not everybody said yes. I can't even believe it. That's amazing to me. But anyway, here's your everything growth hack, okay? Everything grows when we're in the right relationships. Everything grows when we're in the right relationships. Now, notice this. I didn't say relationships. I said the I said the right relationships. That's critical. And, and you need the right relationships. And some of you, and we're going to unpack this, some of you need to adjust some of your relationships. Some of you need to leave some relationships behind. Somebody, yeah, some of us need to, you know, give them the right toe of fellowship. You know what I'm saying? And, and so 
And so otherwise, you're, you find yourself sometimes in these gatherings of people. We know we need the right people. We know we need to be meeting together not being all by ourselves, but some of our gatherings, some of our connections are not so, they're not so positive. It reminds me of a kid who went to school and, and, and something went down and he came home from school and uh, he reluctantly had to go to talk to his parents. And he goes to talk to his parents. He says, uh, mom and dad, uh, here's the thing. <laughs> uh, we've been invited to a small gathering. And they're like, oh, cool. Uh, who's, who's invited? Well, uh, Mom, you're invited. Dad said, who else? Well, Dad, you're invited. Well, who else? Uh, the principal. <laughs> the principal of the school is invited, right? How, how many of you ever had some small gatherings that necessarily not so positive, right? So I'm not talking about those kind of relationships. Now, we know we need the right relationships, but sometimes it's not, it's not as visible to us what's wrong in our relationships, what's going on in our life and what's happened. And so we gather, but we're not necessarily with the right company. So your big idea for the message today is change your community, change your future. I'm, I'm just going to come out right out of the gate and just say some of you need to make some changes in your community. And I hope it comes through crystal clear at the end of this life. You want to change your future? Change your community. You say, well, my biggest problem is people. I understand that. But your biggest solutions will be connected to people too. You're right. You're absolutely right. Your biggest problem sometimes is people. But your biggest, people hurt, people heal. You just got to get around the right people. Amen. And, and I, I had to learn this. And in fact, uh, we have a phrase, we've adopted it from somebody else. Uh, I don't know where it originated, but we say this a lot of times in Connect. We say, show me your friends and I'll show you your future. And we throw words and phrases and, and little uh, you know, adages out there, little wise sayings, but sometimes we don't unpack it. So I want to spend some time unpacking that a little bit. Let me use that phrase, change your community, change your future, or show me your friends, I'll show you your future. Here's what you're not seeing clearly, is that your relationships are either prophetic or they're pathetic. Your, your relationships are like a prophecy in progress. As you are hanging out with, doing life with, connecting with certain people, I'm telling you, those people have prophetic power over your life. So some of you, when you have that realization, it kind of have that aha moment, you're going to look at your relationships. And if you, we take an inventory of so many things. We take an inventory of our money. We, we, we take an inventory, you know, of some of our possessions. We take, there's different things that we look at, but a lot of times we don't look at our relationships very closely. I'm asking you to zoom out today. And if you zoomed out today and you looked at your relationships and you looked at it through the lens of what we've said, uh, as my daddy would say, heretofore, up to this point, then you would see that, oh my gosh, if that's true, I'm going to be like him or her? Yikes! Or I'm going to say, I'm going to be like him or her? Praise the Lord. Are you guys tracking with me right now? That's what that statement is saying to us. You can be the strongest person on the planet. You can have an incredibly strong will. But I'm telling you, the course and trajectory of your life is going to be determined by the people you do life with. It doesn't matter how strong you are. It doesn't matter how strong your will is. That's how powerful that growth hack is. The Bible says in Proverbs 13, 20, uh, get some scripture in there, PD. Um, whoever walks with the wise becomes wise, but the companion of fools, what happens? Suffers harm. So if you are consistently experiencing harm, 
difficulty, uh, not a problem, but a pattern of problems, chronic issues, um, things falling apart on a regular over and over and over again. Listen, it doesn't have to do with the poor hand you've been dealt. It doesn't have to do with the cards you've been dealt. No, it doesn't have to do with that. It doesn't have to do, uh, you know, it's not a victim. It's not like this is just my lot in life. Other people had it better than me. No, it has to do with your community. It has to do with your community. Another way to say this is your condition is downstream from your community. Whatever your community is, your condition is downstream from that community and vice versa. Your community will affect your condition. Everybody say condition, condition. Affects, is affected by your community. Okay? Are you with me, everybody? So I formed like kind of a phrase, and it really popped for me when I was thinking about my uh, connection to my father. My, people say to me as I get older, not that old, by the way, uh, but as I get older, they say, you're so, I still see so many things just like your dad. They'll say, just like your dad. People say that about Devin and his relationship to me. In fact, what ends up, and it's not categorically, we have our own, like we're not, we're not the same in every area, but there's some things where it manifests. And one of those places is in our mannerisms, in our mannerisms. And, and in my case, my walk, my stride is just like my father's. The only difference is he walked faster than me. We would, we would go out to dinner just to have, like, just some, just some quality time, and we'd get out of the car. We're going, he liked to go to Panera Bread. We got, he's taking off, man. Like, he's kicking up asphalt. You know what I mean? He's going so fast. I'm like, Dad, we're just going to relax. He's like, yeah, I want to get there first, you know, and I don't know if they'll still have the discount or whatever, you know. Uh, pull out my ARP card or whatever. But, uh, but our stride, our stride was similar. You know why it was similar? Because of this principle. You're going to walk like who you walk with. That's what that Proverbs 13.20 is saying. You will walk like who you walk with. It is an inviolable principle. Inviolable basically means it, it, it's, it's an outcome that cannot be changed. It cannot be changed. It's not going to be altered. Sociological sciences have studied this and proved this. Let me say it like this, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to poke, I'm going to pinch a little bit here. Are you guys ready? Ready? We're here to grow. Amen? Amen. Say, let's get growing. If you are walking with people who are out of shape, you will eventually or continue to be out of shape. Uh, okay. If you are walking with an angry, you're doing life with an angry, bitter wife, you are going to eventually be an angry, bitter wife in your marriage. I saw some guys raise their hand. Can we send a healing team to the back there? <laughs> Try not to raise your hand because he could be dead soon, okay? We need resurrection power. <laughs> if you walk with people who are trying to cheat the government, not pay their taxes, cook the books, find a way. If you are walking with those people you, and you're partnering with them, you're eventually going to become like them. Are you with me? 
Who you walk with is who you'll become like. Who you walk like is who you'll walk with. You're going to become that kind of a person. Now, if you are walking with a person who builds up their husband, who speaks life over their husband, who encourages, if you're building, if you're doing life with a person who is speaking life over and breathing on their wife, encouragement and treating them like a flower, they're going to bloom. And you're eventually going to have that kind of relationship and that kind of marriage in your life. If you are walking with people who have integrity in business and keep their word even when it hurts and put God first in their finances, you are eventually going to become that kind of person in business and God's blessing is going to be upon you. If you're living and doing life with people who are taking care of the temple of the Holy Spirit, I'm telling you, you're eventually going to be a person who takes care of the temple of the Holy Spirit. Are you there, everybody? Who you walk like is who you walk with in Jesus' name. And, and so... What happens when I say things like this, there's always somebody that thinks, I'm different. I'm different. Like, I've been rolling, my ride and die group I've been rolling with since high school. <laughs> like, they've been my friends forever. It has no adverse effects on me. I'm impervious to their negative influences. We've got an understanding. Listen, listen, I, my wife and I had some relationships in our life when we started fully committing our lives to the call of God on our life. We had to make some shifts in our relationship, which I'll come to that in a little bit more. It's made all the difference in the world. And when we look back at our lives and we look at their lives and who we used to walk with, many of those couples that we hung out with are not together anymore. Can I just tell you, listen to me, I'm going to say something I didn't say in the first service or in Saturday night service, I'm just going to say it to you, it's special. Divorce travels in packs. People broke, just all that, all that bitterness, all that victimization, I'm telling you, you need to hang around strong couples, it will change your marriage just by hanging around healthy couples. Are you with me, everybody? No, I'm different. I just got to say this as your pastor. The, the, with, with, with God's coming imminent in my mind and being in the last of the last days, I'm just telling you as your pastor, if you're going to keep coming here, I am not going to, like, dance around things anymore. I'm going to be a lot more uh, pushing you guys to the next level. You are misled if you think you're different. How do I know that? Because the Bible says so. Look at the scripture. 1 Corinthians 15, says, do not be misled. Bad company corrupts what? Good character, okay? So now, here's our main text of the day in 15 minutes, 32 seconds. 2 Corinthians 6, 17. 2 Corinthians 6, 17. I'm telling you, you need to underline this in your Bible. This is a life-changing scripture. It says this. I'm going to do the NIV and the New King James uh, version, okay? It says, do not be yoked together. Everybody say yoked. That's not for the young people. That's not he's yoked. Man, that guy is jacked. That's not what it's talking about. It, for, the, for the ladies, it's not eggs, okay? Okay? Yoked means tied to, tethered to, connected to someone else or something else. That's what yoke means. It says, do not be yoked together with unbelievers. For what does righteousness and wickedness have in common? Or what fellowship can light have with darkness? Okay. The literalist translates that this is where some of you who've come from hyper-religious environments need to listen to what I'm saying. The literalist reads that and says, see, the Bible is saying, now that I'm a believer, I can have nothing to do with people who are not believers. Well, I can give you 10 scriptures that says that's ridiculous. You're supposed to go into all the world and make disciples. We're supposed to be the salt and light to the world. There's so many things that say that's not true. So it's just, it's an overkill because you don't understand this text. 
In the New King James, which is a word-for-word translation, it says, are you guys tracking with me right now? It says, do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. It's a better word. Sometimes you have Bibles that are thought-for-thought. Some are word-for-word. So the word-for-word helps us because I'm better at English than math. Unequally is an adverb that modifies the verb yoked. Unequally yoked. What is it saying to you? What is it saying to me? It's saying, do not be in relationship where you are out of balance in that relationship. Still not popping? It's saying that don't be in a, if you're in a relationship with, I like to say pre-believer, by the way, not a non-believer, not a heathen. Some of you come from churches where you're like, oh, them heathen over there. <laughs> Terrible, okay? They're pre-believers. What do I mean by that? I mean, this is my conviction. If they knew what I knew, they'd want what I have. I have a secret that I want to give away. I want to share this incredible life-changing secret. This isn't like something that just can't wait to expose their sin. No, I want to show them a better life. Anyway, I digress. But when you're associated with the pre-believer, you need to make sure you're not unequally yoked. It means you're the stronger influence on that person than they are on you. That's what this is saying. Are you tracking so far? So I'm going to come back to that. But before I come back to that, I want to teach you two theological words. All right, so now I'm going to challenge you, everybody, get ready. Two theological words. Some of you get nervous when I start talking about theological. Okay, I'm checking out. Tell me when the story time comes. <laughs> Listen, if you can go to Starbucks and learn their language, you can learn the languages of God's word. Come on, somebody. So get ready, get ready, get ready, all right? Here's the first word, salvation. <laughs> you, you shouldn't have unleashed me today. I've been away for a week. This is what happens, okay? Salvation is this. Before Christ, I'm going to give you two. I want to imagine a post right here. Position, practice. Before Christ, your position for, before God, before you knew Christ, your position before God was sinful, wicked. He, couldn't asso- he can't associate with sin. By the way, one sin weighs the same as a thousand with God because he's perfect, you're not. It's just like one drop of arson you would never put in a glass of water. God's the water, you're the one drop of sin. So whether you sin once or a thousand, it separates you from God. So when he looks at you, he sees your position, and he says, I can't, I can't associate with that, okay? So before Christ, that was you. You were dead in your trespasses. You all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But then, everybody say, but then, for those of you who have received what Jesus did for you by grace through faith, you have made that faith reception. You realized that Jesus not only died for the sins of humanity, he died for my sins. And you had a revelation about that. That means a realization that God, I was on death row. I was separated from God. He couldn't be associated with me because of that sin. But now, because of his son, and because I received what his son did for me, I can be in right standing with God. I can have a new position. I have been, the Bible says, clothed in the robe of righteousness. So when God looks at you, he doesn't see your sinful state. He sees righteousness, alien righteousness. That means it comes from somewhere else, given to you, and you've been clothed in that. It's imputed to you is a big word. God gave you that. You received that. When you received that, now God's view of you has changed. Your position has changed because you're in the family of God. Are you with me, everybody? That describes salvation because the moment you made that Faith reception, instantly, when you made that change, your position changed. But listen, instantly your position changed, (laughs) but your practices might not have changed. 
This is what people mess up. So people that don't understand this, they sin and they think they've lost their position. You didn't lose your position. You just need to learn how to change your practices. Okay? So position is when God sees you, views you through his, through his righteousness. What's been done for you, not something you can do for yourself. Are you there, everybody? But practice is how you live out your Christian experience before God every single day of your life. So what can happen is, Martin Luther talked about this big Latin word, but he basically said, you can be simultaneously righteous and sinful at the same time. It's, it's quiet in here. Okay. So what I'm saying to you is you can have your position secure, but at the same time you can be doing things that are wrong. Some of you are pausing, but you know that's true. You have a struggle sometimes with sin. And so the word, the second word I need you to know is that with salvation, your position in God, sanctification. Everybody say sanctification. It's where in your practice, you are trying to catch up with your position. Okay? So the Christian experience, the goal of the Christian experience is to get your practices to line up with your new position in Christ. Turn to your neighbor and say, this is good teaching. I'm getting something out of this, Pastor. Okay. Are you guys tracking so far? So we learned salvation. We learned sanctification. But here's the problem. What's the problem, PD? The problem is you, you want in your practice to become righteous. And as you pursue making your practices line up with your position, you are yoked together with darkness and unbelieving belief systems, and every time you go that way, you get pulled right back to that darkness. It's because you're yoked together with the wrong thing. Are you with me, everybody? So some of you, I'll just use uh, all the single ladies, okay? All the single ladies, okay? This, 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 this ha I just saw a couple last service, and I could, whoop, I could discern, there it is, whoop, there it is, okay? Here's what happens. You can have a Christian girl who loves Jesus and on fire for God. And what, she, what, what happens all the time is they, get, they can't find their man in church. So I'm going to go out into the world and I'm going to get him into church. Let me just tell you something. So her position in Christ is secure. Her practices have good intent. She starts, I'm going to bring him to church. Let me tell you something. If you are yoked or tied to something that is, in, that is not, in, not common, not same values, not secure, you have, there's a more likely chance he'll get you in bed on Saturday night than you'll have him in church on Sunday morning. Tell it like it is, Pastor. It's not just in relationships. This is true in business. I'm going to bring this guy. I got into a partnership. Partnerships are the worst kind of ships if you're unequally yoked. You get what I just said? So, like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do business with a guy. He's going to put all the money on the table, and we're going to work some stuff out, blah, blah, blah. And you start going forward, and you start working towards the position in your practices, but he's cooking the books. He's cheating the system. He's finding ways not to do things ethically, and you're trying to keep your word, but because you're unequally yoked, boom, you get pulled back. This is happening over and over again. So you're like, well, what about those people that are in the world? Aren't we supposed to reach them? And you have like a tension inside you because you see things in the Bible that say we're supposed to go into all the world and we're supposed to reach these people. So this is what I said to my daughter years ago. Never going to make it on time. Praise the Lord. <laughs> my daughter Morgan, when she was in high school, she was getting on fire for God. She was getting on track with God. And she was trying to reach her friends, but she was struggling. And so, I, so her name's Morgan. I call her Momo. I said, Momo, here's the thing. 
this, this issue of unequally yoked, sometimes it's like concrete. Your position in Christ, this is position, that's practice. Your position in Christ is like concrete. When you gave your life to Jesus, all these wonderful things have been poured into you. Concrete's been poured. Listen, but the cement is wet. It's not cured. It's not hardened yet. And so you have, in this season right now, you, Momo, you have to be very careful who you connect with and who you relate to and who you're tied to. Because before you know it, you can put certain experiences into that wet cement that become permanent damage in your relationship. If you sleep with that guy, that soul tie could be there for many, many years to come. If you do this, that could be in that cement. And it will dry and will hard and you'll carry that the rest of your life if you're not careful. You've got to wait. There's a season for some of you. This is a word for some people in this room. There's a season for you where you got to let the cement cure. And you have to be tied and tethered to the right people. And when the cement is cured and when you're tethered and tied, you can actually go back into the world and pull those people into your environment. And now you're not unequally yoked. Now you're the stronger yoke and you can save those people and you can pull those people. There was a time I couldn't do that in my early years of my life. But now because the cement is cured and now because I'm tied together with the right people, I can rescue people from darkness. And I can pull people out of the hole and the hell holes that they're in and get them in the right track in the right environments are you with me everybody God's trying to teach you something through this are you with me so um so you can make the principle of yoke together work against you or for you that's what God's trying to teach you and and you need to be yoked together right so some of you in nutshell have been converted to Christ but you also need to be converted to the family of Christ so quiet anyway so so this next thing, this next thing that I want to share with you has is a diagram. I don't put it up yet, but in this diagram, it's gonna, I, I stole this from a pastor in the South. I just said, I'm gonna use this every year of my life. This is incredible how it how it like pops for me. And you're gonna get a homework assignment out of this, and you might even get a little pain response to this, okay? But first I'll set it up by helping you see through the lens of Jesus relationships. Because then I want you to apply it to your relationships. In your relationships, uh, you you, you got to learn from Jesus. He was the ultimate growth engine. Jesus loved everybody. We know this from the word. Jesus fed the 5,000. Jesus trained the, the, the uh, 120. Excuse me. He, he fed the 5,000. Yeah, he trained the 120. He discipled the 12, and he mentored the three. You see those circles of relationships in Jesus' life? See, some of you need to be that intentional with your relationships. Great relationships will never happen by accident. Some of you think you have friends. They're not your friends. They're just convenient intersections of people that you see every day and you call them friends. And when the first test comes, you'll be able to see if they're really your friend. And so we have to learn how to be intentional. You're going to be given an opportunity today to be intentional in your relationships, and it could change the course and trajectory of your life. Jesus was very intentional in his relationships. So here's the picture. Show the diagram and show all three circles when you do, okay? So these are circles of relationships in your life right now. The center circle is the intimacy circle. This is usually about three to five people max that you can have, like, true intimacy with. These are the people that, these are your ride and die group. These are your people that when you see them, there's background music when they roll in. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah, baby. You know, that's my, that's my people. These are my people. These are your posse. And these are the people that are actually making the biggest difference in your life. The next circle is the influence circle. This could be 10, 20 max, give or take. These are people you influence and they influence you. 
And then there's the care group. This is like, in Jesus', Jesus case, this is a large, large group. This could be 100, this 120 people. This is, for lack of a better word, your wedding list. Okay, who would you invite to the wedding? These are people that you care about, but you can't connect with on a regular basis. But if there's a problem, you're going to get involved. You're going you're to bring a meal to their house. You're going to send them a text praying for you, thinking about you. These are people you care about, but they're not in that, those two uh, more central circles. Are you there, everybody? Your homework assignment is this. I want you to zoom out, do an inventory on your relationships, and assign who's in those circles in your life. Who's your inner circle? Because who you walk with, you will walk like. Who's in that influence circle? Who's in that care circle? And here's what's going to end up happening. Uh, some of you want to grow in a particular area. You want to be a better husband. You want to, be a, you want to have a great marriage. You want to be, hopefully, uh, better with finances. You want to be, hopefully, a great Christian. Can I have an amen out there? But some of you don't see you are, that that potential is directly connected to the people who are in your inner circle. It's directly connected to who's in your inner circle. So you've got a new life in Christ. Good job. Praise the Lord. That's amazing. you got a new heart. you got a new start. I love it. I love it. I love it. We live for that. But, but you cannot live right if you have the wrong relationships in those circles. So I'll be straightforward. Some of you need, you need a, your relationships need a relationship. You, you're going to need to recategorize some of your relationships. Some of you need to move some people from one circle to another. Can I just say, just be practical about this. Don't be weird about this. Don't go up to somebody and say, hey, I just want to let you know, uh, you, 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 you've been demoted from my inner circle, my intimacy, and I'm moving you to the care circle. Like, that's just weird. Don't do that. Don't, don't send them a postcard. I'm excited to inform you that you've moved from care to intimacy. Okay? Please, please, for the love of Moses, don't do that. Okay? Just be careful about that. But some of you need a relationship. Here's what Ephesians 4 says. Verse 3 and following, it says, there's, there's a work to this. This doesn't just happen. It says, make every effort. Everybody say effort. So some of you are not experiencing, you make effort in so many different areas. It's amazing. My, I forget the, the exact um, uh, storyline, but, but Devin was talking about with Natalia how we invest in other areas, but we don't invest in our relationships. Like, this is a place you need to make an investment. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There's one body, one spirit, just as you were called to one hope. You were called one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of us all, who is over all and through all and in all. Can you see one word in there that pops? The word is one. No, it's one. It's one. It's one. <laughs> Survey says. Eh, eh. Good job. Come back. Second. God, has, God has second chances, okay? Don't worry about it. So here, here's, here's, what, here's what that, I love when people say amen, and like sometimes I'll say something really bad, and they'll say amen. I'm like, no, you don't say amen to that. Just, that wasn't an amen point. That was an oh me. Anyway, but here's what, there's a couple things this text is saying. I don't have time to unpack it all, but you were not only ransomed by God, giving you a new position, but God wanted you to be reconciled to one another. God in 2 Corinthians 5 says he's given you and me the ministry of reconciliation. God wants you to be uh, uh, not just one with him, but one with each other. The right people, one with each other, one in the family of God. And so the gospel, when you give your life to Jesus, this is a, this is a little heavy for some of you, but because of what Jesus shedding his blood, that paid for your sin, 
but you receive benefits from his blood. And we actually, as brothers and sisters in Christ, we're together, we're one because of the blood of Jesus. In other words, you have by faith the same bloodline. That's why in church we, we call each other brother and sister. Okay? Are we biologically brother and sister? No, but we are spiritually brother and sister because of the blood of Jesus. We have the same bloodline. So that doesn't make us, it's, we have the same bloodline, but it doesn't mean we're the same. It just means we're one. We can be different, but we can still be one. Are you there, everybody? And so the other thing that this verse is basically saying, and this is one I, I kind of said in different ways all along the way. And this is my challenge to you. When you look at that diagram, in 2024, if you want to make it your best year, you got to make it your best year spiritually. But I would say you also have to make it your best year relationally, the right relationships. I want to say the closest relationships in your life should be other committed Christians. I'm going to say that again and get an amen or an oh me. The closest relationships in your life should be other committed Christians. Amen. Can I have a better one? Amen. amen. Okay, I'm just telling you, if you're going to change the course and trajectory of your life, those two inner circles, intimacy and influence, I'm not saying they're the only ones. I'm just saying they need to be the strongest relationships in your life. And so stop, ladies, gentlemen, missionary dating, evangel dating. I'm, I'm going I'm I'm to get them. I'm going to get them and bring them. No, nope, no, nope, you're not. You're not going to get her and bring her in. They're going to get you and take you out. I've had so many people at altars. I've been doing this for 32 years, seeing people on fire for God, change their heart. Instantly in that moment, their position was secure, but in their practices, because they were tethered to the wrong relationships, the next week, they're gone. I'm saying, where did she go? Where did he go? Squirrel, squirrel, squirrel. <laughs> they, 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 they saw a cute boy or a cute girl, and they're gone, everybody. It's because they didn't change the family when they changed their faith. Okay, everybody? I'm just trying to be good for you. So we've got all these groups this semester. We have 40 groups this semester, all different types. Seven days a week. You can go to a group any day of the week here at Connect Church. There are some of you that have a new heart. You've made a, new, you made a decision, a new start. You're, you're, the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5, you're a new creation in Christ Jesus. You need to be in a group as much as anybody. And some of you have been Christians for a long time, and you're stuck, and you're just not moving forward. You need to be a group just as much as anybody. Some of you are doing great with God, and you need to be able to maintain what you've got. You you need to be in a group just as much as anybody. All y'all, as my wife would say, need to be in a group. Can I have an amen? <laughs> so the problem is it takes faith in Christ to get you out of hell, but it takes the family of Christ to get the hell out of you. Stand to your feet. Let me pray for you. I'm going to tell you a story. This is a stolen story, a repurposed story. Can't beat it. It was just absolutely, it marked me when I heard it. And it's a story of a foster care kid. I'm going to call him Joey. It's not his name. But Joey it was transferred into a new family. He went out of this terrible situation into a better situation. But when they were observing Joey's behavior, they would come over to, like, touch him, be affectionate. <gasps> and he would, he would respond, like, in fear and, and, and just really sad. Uh, whenever they would feed him, Joey would eat the food like a wild animal. And he'd eat it super fast. Or he'd hide it. Put it in his backpack, stuff it somewhere in his room, and just crazy behavior. Uh, uh, probably most peculiar one is if he wanted to express love or tell you he liked you, he would lick your hands. He would lick your hands. And like, these people that took him in were like, what happened to him? Like, what, what could have happened to little Joey? They come to find out that Joey's foster parents uh, were two wicked people. 
And the only reason they took him in was for the money. And they actually went out when they got him in. They, they both went out and got uh, independently, they got jobs uh, so they could make even more money. And they left Joey at home alone with the dogs in a kennel nine hours a day every day. Where did Joey learn all those egregious behaviors? In a kennel with dogs. Imagine. Just horrible. But, but he was taken out of that family. And he was put into a new family. And slowly over time, because of his new position, he began to change. They begin to communicate to him, you're loved and you're accepted and, and, and you're, you don't have to behave like that. You don't have to be like that. You're, you're a person, not a dog. You're a son, not a slave. You're, you, you've got a new beginning and a new start. You're part of our family. And, and slowly he began to change. And all it took was a judge to take Joey out of an orphanage into a new family. But it took a family to take the orphan out of Joey. Are you there? And God, for some of you that have received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I think sometimes we forget. I think sometimes we overlook. You've been taken out of your old position, and you've been put in a new position. You were in darkness. I think you don't realize that sometimes. If you realized what you were before him, you'd appreciate what you have in him. You were taken out of darkness, and you were put into light. You were taken out of unbelief into belief. You were taken out of a different, broken, toxic, horrible situation into a blessed situation. You've been given a new position. You have a robe now that's been put around you and a ring that's been put on your finger. You're a new person in Christ Jesus. Can I have an amen out there? Faith in Christ get, got you out of slavery, but being a part of the family of Christ gets the slave out of you, out of you. So somebody, somebody, Week after week comes to church every week and they think, I just got to make, uh, I just got to listen to this sermon and my life can change. One sermon and my life can change. One moment at an altar, somebody pray for me, my life can change. One decision in my life can change. And there's some truth to that, but I can I just tell you something? Not, not as much as the decision to tie yourself, be yoked together with the family of Christ. If you want to change your future, you have to change your community. So I want, you to, I want you to do something. We're going to take action this year. This faith without action is dead. I want you to take your phones out. Take your phones out. Everybody, everybody's got a phone. If you don't, come see my son. He'll buy you one. He's blessed. I'm tired of paying for things for him. <laughs> All those years, son, you owe me way more. No, I'm just kidding. I have the mic. Shut up. Uh, so what I want to say to you is this. In just a minute after we pray... Uh, I want you to go, you're going to get an opportunity to look at being a part of a group. And, and if you're already a part of a group, just take your phone out, do it anyway, and put positive peer pressure on the people around you, okay? Take, just take it out and do it, okay? But just a second, close your eyes, let me pray for you. Father, I'm, I'm using every bit of influence that you've given me to, to point people, steer people in the right direction. I, I don't know what else to do. I've, I've done my part. But I'm asking you, Holy Spirit, to do your part. Would you, by the, by the power of the Holy Spirit, make this word a part of who they are, part of their DNA. Lord, not just something they try. Something, Lord, that just becomes a core value. To the one that says, I can't afford to do it, I'm too busy. May they see, I can't afford not to. To the one that says, I, I got it. May they see, I don't got it. I need, I need other people. 
to one that says, I did this before, I tried that, I, uh, I've gone down this road before. They, nope, they, they just got to keep trying because principally this is right. And eventually you'll figure it out and you'll find that intimate circle of friends. That, that's what we're here to do here at Connect is put you in a circle, not just in rows. Lord, I, don't, I pray they see that this has some value, being in, in rows, but circles would be better. I pray they find a circle of friends that literally changes their life. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. So listen, I want you to shop. There's going to be a QR code. The QR code should be up there already, but it's not. Come on, let's go, let's go. Look at that QR code. Take that. Everybody, take your phone out. Take your phone out. That's why you had your phones. Come on, I should see phones everywhere. Get it, get it, get it, get it, get it. I'll let you leave when you take your phone out. Seriously. Would you shop on that? Would you look around? 40 groups, seven days a week, all different types of groups, marriage groups, new believer groups. That's for you. We're here to serve you. I would rather, I'll say this as a pastor, I'm going to linger a little longer until you get it. I would rather you be in a group than be here on Sunday morning. I don't know many pastors that would tell you that, but honestly, what would change your life more is that small circle than this big circle. Listen to what I'm saying. You want it to be your best year. Get in community. Change your future. Are you there, everybody? Yes. Now, if you've got questions, you go downstairs. There's going to be people downstairs that can help you on your journey. And kind of, you want to know about this, you want to know about that. Anything you want to know, there's people downstairs, they can't wait to talk to you. It's going to be a little mayhem. What, what are the final announcements? I'll finish it. What, what I got to say? Uh, groups. Prayer groups. Okay, there is no next steps now, but next steps goes again next week. So uh, if you want to be a part of next steps, that's how you kind of figure out if this church is for you. And then I'd like the prayer team to come down front right now. If you could come, 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 come. If you guys need prayer, never go home not being prayed for. So if you're sick and you don't feel good, come to church, get healed. Can I have an amen? If there's something that's been a burden on your life, you're praying about it every day, come down here and join with others. We're two or more gathered. You know, there, there he is. If you cut the power of agreement, we let somebody partner with you in prayer. But here's what's going to happen. I'm just going to let you guys go. Shop for a group. Talk it up. Get in a group this week. All the groups are open. Are you guys blessed today? Can we turn the lights on, please? I love you guys. I hope you guys have an incredible Sunday.